Welcome back to the Meet Us in Paris podcast, a podcast about all things travel, be it destinations, food, having an amazing time, and what to pack for your next trip. So as always, let me introduce my co-host. First up is Wicked Lee. Howdy. <laughs> and today we have a special guest. It's our good friend Lolita. Hello, Hi, hello. Lolita. It's Hi. been forever. It's been so, so long. Yeah, it has been. Um, I can't wait to see you. I mean, this COVID thing aside, so. Yeah, maybe, um, maybe next year. <laughs> maybe next year. I hope I can see you next year as opposed <laughs> to maybe in 22. So you guys may be wondering why we have a special guest today. Well, Lolita is our good friend, and we've known her for many years. And she also used to host one of our sister podcasts, um, Food Podcasts. And is a, are you still Yelp Elite? I am. This is actually my, I think it's my seventh or eighth year now. Oh my God. So yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You know what Yelp Elite is, right, Lee? I I am Yelp Elite. Oh, you're (gasps) Yelp Elite too? Yeah. Oh my God. I didn't know that. I'm I'm Yelp not elite. (laughs) (laughs) You're elite in other ways. Um, Not too many. So. But Lolita's a traveler just like us. Um, but more, most importantly, she's a huge fan of a destination that I love and Lee loves as well is Hong Kong. And if ever, and everyone knows if you've been listening to our podcast for a while, I've been dying to do something on Hong Kong. I've just been trying to find the right cast. So stow your bags, fasten your seatbelts, put your trays in an upright position, and we're going to head to the city of neon and we'll, Uh, We'll talk to you right after the break. Meet Us in Paris is sponsored by the University of California, Irvine Division of Continuing Education. Do you have an educational goal? At UCI DCE, we're here to help. With over 60 certificate programs available, we've helped over a quarter million students reach their goals, and we can help you reach yours too. You can find us at ce.uci.edu. Dream big. Take risks. Be amazing. All right, now that we're back, so who's been to Hong Kong? Okay. I have. I have. <laughs> awesome. I've been there too. Um, it's been a little while, but I, to make sure that we're all playing from the same deck, here's a little history lesson to give us an idea about why Hong Kong is so unique. Okay. So people have been known to live in the Hong Kong area for over five millennia, and there were influences from northern China, the Stony, uh, Stony, bleh, People, have, can you edit that one out? <laughs> We're leaving it. <laughs> People have been known to live in the Hong Kong area for over five millennia, and there were influences from Northern China Stone Age cultures. Now, jump forward to 1699. In comes the British East India Company. Uh, they ventured to China and soon afterwards developed trade with Hong Kong. One of the big trading products was opium. Some things never change. Uh, And a large part of the population became addicted to the opiate. After the Opium War in 1839, Hong Kong was ceded to Britain in 1842 under the Treaty of Nanking. It's because of this takeover that English became the official language of locals. Now, it's under British rule. Under this time, Hong Kong became an economic success in manufacturing, commercial, finance, and tourism. On July 1st, 1997, Hong Kong was returned to China, ending more than 150 years of British colonial rule. 
Hong Kong is currently under a special administrative region of the People's Republic of China. So there's your Cliff Notes version. You got your history lesson. Oh, that's that's like in one minute or less or something like that. That's so awesome. Okay, so if you've been following the news, um, they have what they call like a one country, two systems, and it is being tested by the Chinese government and the citizens of, citizens of Hong Kong presently. And we're not really going to address this today, but we don't want to ignore it either. We don't want to sound like we don't we're not aware of it. We just want to let you know why we think Hong Kong is such an amazing place with so much history and so many wonderful things and why we're rooting for this to end uh, this, this, this distress and um, what we might be losing if it doesn't come out well. So in the meantime, let's talk Hong Kong. Uh, so why did you guys like, why, how did you guys choose Hong Kong? Why did you decide to go for the first time? Lolita, I'll let you go first. Okay. Um, mine's a little bit of a weird story. But my one of my best friends moved to Hong Kong um, years ago. And she's been there for eight years now, I think. And I had always wow. wanted to go visit her. But I couldn't find the good time to go. So when I started dating my boyfriend at the time, his family is from Hong Kong, they speak Cantonese, and he has to go every some years to renew like a card that he has. So I told him, hey, I'll go with you. And I don't know if that was actually the smartest decision, because that was the first trip we ever took together after like, less than a year of dating. So it could have ended very badly. Or it could be the reason why he's no longer a boyfriend. Yeah, now he's my husband. (laughs) (laughs) But it was it was amazing. I mean, that that's always going to be one of my favorite trips. And ever since then, I've gone to Hong Kong, I think another like two or three times since then. And it's still magical. How about you, Lee? Oh, that's just awesome. Mine is less <laughs> dramatic. Um, but I actually I, this was part of a trip that I took with Semester at Sea. Uh, so it oh, was that's cool. Yeah, it, w- it was really cool. In my experience with Hong Kong, um, this is back in 2004, uh, what was interesting about it is that it, it actually started out with a typhoon. So, <laughs> Oh, my gosh. <laughs> there was a Category 8 typhoon that happened w- upon our arrival. So that kind of definitely made for an interesting beginning to our journey. Uh, but we spent three, we spent three days there. Uh, and I had an absolutely outstanding time. So, and, and I've always wanted to go back again. Cool. Wait, category eight, that's that's pretty rough. It it was pretty rough. And it, was <laughs> our, it wasn't our first typhoon on that journey either. We had a, we experienced a smaller one. Um, but yeah, it was at one point a category eight. It eventually, we got to go down. It, they downgraded it to a, a category three. Um but yeah, it was it was pretty epic, and of oh course we're learning. And this was before folks had cell phones and stuff like that on the on the ship. So I'm just like I'm glad that my mom doesn't know this right now. So <laughs> 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 it made for us to be stuck. We had to come up with a. Uh, this is a totally different segue. Um, but yeah, we had to come up with a day's worth of programming for several hundred people while you're on a ship and fixing to experience a typhoon. It's like okay, oh ready? Oh my go. god. That's crazy. That's wild. He was, but anyway, but it didn't. That didn't dampen my experience. It just kind of made it for an interesting beginning. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I got to say the thing that um, I was introduced to Hong Kong by my parents 
So um, when I was in college, um, uh, it was when I was in college, my parents still tried to grab my sister and I back for a couple of weeks every year um, and have them come visit them. And when we would go visit them, we would actually go on a, on a trip. Um, and one year, my mom and dad, um, it's like, okay, we're going to go to Hong Kong. You're going to love it. And it's like, sure. You know, I only had read about Hong Kong and books or, and lots of science fiction always takes place in Hong Kong, you know? So I was like, okay, um, let's go to Hong Kong. And it was that probably in the, the early nineties or, um, it was the early nineties. And um, ever since then, it's just like, oh, my God, this place is amazing. And since then, I've gone back a couple of times with my uh, my wife. Um, it's like, OK, now after I got married, it's like, OK, you got to go. We got to go to Hong Kong. You're going to love this place. <laughs> and she she loves it as well. So um, what's your favorite places to go to? I mean, like, so first of all, let's let's kind of describe Hong Kong. Um, let's, I'm going to give you a description. You guys tell me what, if you think it's somewhat accurate. Um, Hong Kong, it, to me, is one of those places, if you're going to visit Asia, it's kind of like is Americans. It's kind of this like transition drugs into Asia, in my opinion, because <laughs> you're eased into being into Asia because okay, obviously it's Chinese and it's part of China. But also, they speak English there, and there's a lot of things that are very, very familiar as a like a Western country. But there's so many things that are culturally Asian that is very nice, and it's it looks like any modern city, with the exception of all the signs are in general um, in two different languages. So it's an easy country to navigate well it's no longer a country it's an easy city to navigate just because um it's kind of this it's got one foot in the west and it's got one foot in the east would you agree mm-hmm. with that i would agree a hundred percent that's exactly how i felt when i went to and just the convenience of getting around um being on like the mtr which is like their metro and walking around it was so easy to navigate I, I thought it was kind of interesting is when I went there, when I came back, I, I, I told everyone I felt like I was floating. And the reason why was it was just for like a week I was there. I, we mixed the trip and it, we mixed the trip. We went to a couple different places, but it felt like everything was so familiar, but everything was like in a dream. And the reason why I say it's like, oh, those are cars, but I don't recognize any of those cars. And they're driving around and they're used as transportation, but they're on the wrong side of the road. There's there's so many things that were so familiar yet so foreign that was just kind of disconcerting after I came back what was reality and what wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. There, there's There's like no other place in Asia like it. And even when, I mean, there's no, no, there's no place like it, period, but especially yeah. when you're comparing it to other Asian countries. Um, yeah, it was, oh, now I miss it. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Lee? Well, for me, I, I totally echo what you were saying as far as it being, as far as it being a gateway. And uh, in that experience on the road, I actually did the double-decker bus. Uh, the red double decker, yeah. and I sat in the front on the top, so it was constantly this feeling, and it was in an open air one. I, I constantly oh, felt like we were awesome. running over people, um, but it was an it was so cool. But yeah, you're on the wrong side of the road, and you get this 
great view of the city and all that. And I'm so glad that I did it. So it, and, and yeah, I mean, it was, I had been to other Asian countries where there wasn't as much English. So it was, it gave me confidence in seeing both kanji and, and, you know, English to be like, okay, wait a second, I can figure this out. Mm -hmm. I absolutely loved it. And it's, it, it's such an interesting place because it's, it is so city and so metro, but then has the, you know, the, the cool places like, you know, the fishing village and, you know, Aberdeen and stuff like that, that all, all of a sudden you're just transformed into a completely different experience. Yeah. And it's yeah. crazy how the distance between those places really isn't that far either, like in the scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Hong Kong is an island, right? Mm-hmm. And um, well, Hong Kong is an island, and it's a small island, and they have part of the. Would you call it a peninsula? What do you call the other, the Kowloon side? Um, part of the part of the mainland mass, but overall square footage, it's a, it's a really small place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with a lot of people, a lot. A lot I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, and I was you know I was there a while ago, and it was just it's very dense. Um, but it was also interesting to be there um, on a mo- back in the day uh, on a Monday with Maid or Monday Sunday Sunday for Maid's Day oh, Out. Yeah, the weekends. And, yeah, on a Sunday, and, and everything is, was empty except all of these you know thousands and thousands of maids and domestic workers connecting and creating this unbelievable community. Um, that that was a great. I mean, to be in a city that is empty and full at the same time. What was your favorite things to go do? Ooh. Um, because I was there such a brief time. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that I saw a lot. Um, one of the things that I did is I did take the tram up to Victoria Peak, and so oh, that was fun. Yeah, to see the entire city um, from up there, and it was a relatively clear day, so so that was really nice because you kind of get it this this sense of how massive the, the place is. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a private t- a private tour. Uh, we were followed by this guy <laughs> for several blocks who ended up giving us a great <laughs> tour um, of Aberdeen, the floating village. And, and that was really neat, uh, you know, seeing all of these people on houseboats and fishing boats and even this large floating restaurant um, where all of this life is happening in a relatively quiet, quaint place that's, in, as Lolita said, right in the heart of a city. Um, right. I would say that would be probably, you know, and then, you know, I did a bunch of other stuff, you know, that, that that's typical stuff. But I would say those two things in particular really stood out to me separate from other Asian countries I visited. Do you have anything to say about Victoria Speak? I got Lolita. I'm gonna. I I love going to. I in every podcast I always say I love going somewhere high, and I like seeing the city from somewhere really high because it mm-hmm. just gives you a, an idea of the size and density, and I just think it's really beautiful. Um, totally. Yeah, to get up to the top, there's something called a, the funicular. Essentially, it's a it's a train that goes up the side of a mountain and there's a big structure at the top. Um, actually they have a bunch of restaurants or whatever you can eat up there. But at the same time, there's like a big balcony that you can look down onto the city. And it is just an amazing view to see a city kind of embedded within, um, these, these beautiful mountains. Like, oh my gosh, it's, it's so pretty. Yeah. What and, was your, Oh, go ahead. What? No, I was just thinking too. Um, 
if you go at night versus the daytime, there's mm-hmm. it, it's like a totally different feeling to it. It's it's so magical. Yeah. That, and that's what I always tell people to do, do too, is you need to see it during the day and you kind of, if you have an opportunity to see it at night, because mm-hmm. like you said, it, they're two different experiences. Yeah. So, oh, I got a funny story. So um, at the top in that building, they have a bunch of restaurants, but one of the restaurants is a fast food place um, that may be foreign to you guys, but it's called McDonald's. McDonald's um, but the thing about McDonald's uh, they serve different types of food and it was that that particular McDonald's that I experienced and I think it was a limited edition item for a limited time they had something called Shake Shake Fries Oh my God, I love Shake Shake Fries. (laughs) You tell people what Shake Shake Fries are. I love Shake Shake Fries. So this is basically, there's different flavors of shake fries. And what they do is they give you classic French fries and then they give you like a seasoning powder and you mix it in the bag. You put them together and you mix it as much as you want and you have fun with it. And it totally transforms the flavor of these fries. Like I think depending on when you went, um, I know they had like a crab flavor. They had a seaweed flavor. I think they had some other flavors, but oh my gosh, shake shake fries were so good. I mean, it's it's like they give you the fries, they give you an empty bag, and then they give you a packet that looks like essentially it could be Parmesan cheese or something. <laughs> yeah. And you tear, tear this open, you pour it into the bag, and you take the fries, and you shake it. And at one point, they actually had a contest where they sh- asked people, show us how you shake your fries and videotape it and share it on social media. <laughs> so people were actually had like shake, shake dances and whatever, whatever. And it was just... <laughs> the craziest thing but forget about the dance the food is really really good and i can't wait i i don't understand why they don't send that to the united states well apparently they tried maybe i i think i read somewhere or heard from somewhere that maybe they tried but um whatever test regions that they tested out it didn't it just wasn't as popular as they had hoped it would be oh I, I just can't imagine them. They are just so good in flavor. I love them. Oh my gosh, the seaweed flavor was so good. I mean, it's essentially like you take ramen and you know that like flavor packet, you throw yes. that into a bag. And you- <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so speaking of night, one of my things that I really like to do is like this is super cheap to do. Is um, I actually stayed on the Kowloon side. And on the Kowloon side, uh, the hotels tend to be a little bit cheaper. They're very small still, um, even the really nice ones, because space is such a premium. I used, uh, I would love to take the Star Ferry back and forth, which is a, um, it's a ferry boat that connects the island to the mainland. And it's just, it's probably, I don't know, it's a 10 minute ride or something like that, but it's just a really beautiful ride. And if you go at night, it's like the ship is completely empty and it's on a regular schedule and you can just sit in the front, just like one of those two double decker tour buses. I totally did the star ferry because we did it from Kowloon because we were docked in Kowloon. Uh Um, And so, yeah, so you're completely right. And it's a cool way to kind of see it, take in Hong Kong. So I completely agree. Did you go in it, Louie? No, I didn't. And the reason is because every single time I go, I go with my husband who gets like deathly seasick. So <laughs> it's either I leave him on the other side and go on my own and come back or uh, one day I'll one day I'll go on it. 
Well, you can go, probably. But, <laughs> you know, I believe you can take the um the uh the subway. The subway goes under that yes. yep. waterway. So you don't see that's the thing is you don't have to take it, but you should take it just because it's so cool to do. Mm-hmm. What's the next place of Oh, Lolita, you tell your story. Okay. Oh. Okay, Lee, you got to hear the story about what Lolita did that I want to figure out how to get to this place. Okay. So I've been to a couple of speakeasies um, when I went to Hong Kong. And unfortunately, I looked up one of them right before right before we started recording and one of them is closed. But uh. um, that one was called Mrs. Pound. They were around for, I think, like five years or something like that. It was super popular. And it was a stamp shop on the outside, like an old school stamp shop in like a very unassuming kind of street. And you had to find the right stamp to pull and it would open up a wall to a secret restaurant. Ooh. Mm-hmm. It was so good. And the inside was, I think it was like fusion Malaysian kind of food. Um, but it was, it was so much fun and finding the stamp and everything. Like you could tell that, um, people walk up and and you can't tell like unless you knew that that was a speakeasy and a secret restaurant you would just walk by and think that it's just an ordinary stamp shop oh i love it Mm -hmm. and when you mean stamp you mean the um chops which are kind of like a like a rubber chinese rubber stamp Mm -hmm. so uh the chinese in, in the past when you signed a document you would actually own a stamp um that roughly was like the size of a pack of um, gum, like a small, the sticks of gum. And you would have your family name carved into that stamp. And so everyone had a unique one. So you could sign something, but you would also stamp it with it usually in red ink. Um, And this place looks like it was a shop selling just all those stamps, custom stamps to be made. I wonder if you can get a stamp there. (laughs) <laughs> maybe but. there's another speakeasy that i had gone to recently that is still open um and this one's really cool too i think it was called fox glove and it's a similar idea it's an umbrella shop um and you walk by the street and there's just like different umbrella i, I don't know if there's a name for them but like the umbrella tops like the heads of them uh-huh um so you walk by and then you have to go through like a secret door to enter this bar um and that place is really cool too because inside it's like a 60s batman kind of theme um a lot of what yeah yeah it's called fox glove oh that's interesting cool so uh did you guys go to the night markets um i went to stanley market um and so, you know, that's, you know, kind of like the big street market there. Um, I probably, we spent several hours kind of going from booth to booth. And I remember picking up, I mean, some of your typical, what I did in every country that I went to is I got magnets because I knew after going to 10 different countries, I, you know, trying to get something much bigger would have been a pain to to carry. Um, but I remember also getting some really cool silk items for myself and some family members. Uh, but it, that was, that was kind of fun to take in. Uh, I didn't do the night market there, but I did the night market in another country. Con- one of the other countries I went to. Well, you want to describe what a night market is to people? Oh. Uh, night markets are fascinating. Um, one of the places I did a night market in was um, 
was Vietnam. Um, and so just oh, lots, of, cool. lots of food and stuff like that. Um, that one, of course, also had drinking snake blood. Didn't do it. <laughs> Not interested. No. Um, but yeah, but, you know, it's more about strolling and eating. I mean, during the day, like Stanley Market definitely had like, I mean, there are a lot of tourists. There are a lot of people. It was def- it had more of like, I don't want to say an urgency, but that sort of vibe where a night market, it was night markets tend to be more like you're just kind of hanging out and um, and it's the more laid back. And I mean, you can buy stuff, but it's also more experience based versus goods based is my my experience with them. I got to say one of my favorite places to go um, every time I go to Hong Kong. Look, unfortunately, I don't need them anymore. But um, Hong Kong actually has a very famous history of uh, making suits. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. um, you can actually have clothes made for you. And um, so what you can do is it's, it's essentially any – there's a lot of places you can go. And you can have a suit made in three days. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll give you an experience specifically. There's something called um, Sam's Taylor. Mm-hmm. And Sam's Taylor – is probably the most famous may not be, be the best but they're fantastic um suit ma- maker in hong kong you go there um and you go into this really unassuming um unassuming store it looks like it's maybe like the size of like a someone's master bedroom you know it's not that large of a place and but when you walk in there's all these different walls of different types of fabrics for suits and it's very interesting because I found out there's different types of fabric um, depending on who you are. And when you walk through the door, um, whoever's there sizes you up and then kind of gently prods you towards a wall. And I never understood, well, how come I, what's on this wall? Why can't I get to that wall? Well, the opposite one wall is the entry level suits. The opposite wall is where you can get all the Gucci fabrics and stuff like that. <laughs> so, you know, these guys look at me and go, okay, cheap wall, go to the left, go to the left. <laughs> so, so I go in there and they said, okay, and this is a suit making process. Like you like to have a suit. Yes. Okay. Um, what do you like in a suit? Uh, I don't know. What does that mean? It's like, how many buttons would you like? Two buttons, three buttons, four buttons. Oh, um, you know, and then at the time, three buttons. Okay, great. Do you like vents? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's like, well, how many vents would you like the back? It's like, oh, um, so you can have the slit in the back of the suit. Either you have one or you have two on the side. Oh, I like to have two. Okay. Um, pants. How many pleats? And so they go through this whole structure of like, do you want to have cuffs on your, do you want to have cuffs on the pants? Do you want to have pleat? How many pleats? Do you want to have pleats? Do you want to have a watch pocket? Do you want to have this? You can also, if you have a cell phone, it's just like, okay, where do you keep your cell phone? They have special pockets in the suit. So it's in the pants that actually go behind the belt, not actually in the pocket. So it doesn't ruin the line of the suit pants. And so they go through this elaborate process of like how many buns you want here, what kind of this, what kind of that. And they say, okay, great. And then they come out and then they measure you. So they measure you all the way to next next Sunday, all the different ways. And they say, okay, come back tomorrow. And it's like, what? It's like, come back mm-hmm. tomorrow. 
right around this time. And it's like, you know, I came there at like 11 o'clock at night. So we come back the next day and they got a suit of the fabric that I had chosen the previous day, but it's half built. Mm-hmm. And then they put this thing, it kind of, at the time, it kind of looks like a vest. So they put the vest on me. They, you know, it has one arm. They, they're, and, you know, it's got one arm in it, this and this and this. And it's like, put your hands up. But, you know, like you're getting, hold your hands up like you're, you're being held up. And then it's like, oh, um, it's kind of binding in the armpit. It's like, okay, we, we can fix that. And this, this, and this. And then it's like, come back tomorrow. And then the next day you come back and they got a complete suit. And it's fit to you. And I've owned a lot of suits. I've owned Canali suits and I've owned Armani suits and stuff like that. But this was the best fitting suit I own. And I was just amazed. And, and at the time, you could get a suit made custom for, um, and it was a cashmere suit for three hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. I think they're like four hundred. That's crazy. Yeah. And and my wife, who is also very tall, she's like, "Well, I want something." And essentially, she had something like a zoot suit jacket made, or like, a, yeah. So it was a. Um, it was essentially a men's blazer kind of jacket, but it went down to her knees and it had like 20 buttons down the front and this and that. And it was the coolest, coolest jacket. So she had custom jackets made. You have your shirts made at the same time. And it's all done in three days. Um, so I can't like if you have a couple of days and there's some places that are cheaper too. So you, you don't have to go to them. And the quality of the suits there are as there's a lot of good ones that are very good as well. So if you're there, I'm, look, I'm making this whole podcast about suits, <laughs> but <laughs> you gotta go try to have custom, some custom clothes made um, because it's just really a neat experience. You know what's funny? Yeah. Is I actually um, had a similar experience with my, my tea ceremony dress too. Like, it was walk into a store, they measure you all over, and then you come back like 24 hours later and there's your wedding dress. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that for either of the. I did have a um, a suit made in Vietnam, same experience. And oh, yeah. Absolutely amazing. Now, so as cool. a woman, I, and it was gorgeous. Now, as a woman, my weight has fluctuated throughout the year. <laughs> And actually, I will happily say I'm smaller than I was then. Um, but yeah, it was it was such a trippy experience because, you know, here in the States, you're just, I mean, or at least in my income bracket, you're used to buying things off the rack and then mm-hmm. getting them hemmed or taken up or whatever. Yeah. Um, and there, like, you can have, like, an entire suit made in less time than it takes to get pants hemmed here. Yeah, Amazing. it's crazy. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that's the other thing is um, it depends on the suit. So, like, on the inside of the suit, um, I can't remember if Sam said, but they actually had signed expressly made for me. So, it has my name in there. And then on top of it, um, you're assigned, depending on the suit manufacturer, they'll assign you a number. So, I could actually call into the suit manufacturer in Hong Kong and say, I'd like to have another suit. And they'll make another suit based off of the measurements that they had in the book. And oh, they'll wow. ship it to the United States. Of course, now I've gained probably about 10 pounds. It won't fit. But you still can do that, which I thought was really nifty. <laughs> um, awesome. What other places did you guys love? 
I loved Hong Kong Disneyland. Um, <laughs> it's small compared to other Disneylands, but, you know, you have to take like a special rail to get there. And I don't know. I just feel like it's it's it keeps the magic going. Uh, did you go? Did you make it to the Big Buddha? I did. Yeah, that was really cool, too. The Disney was not open when I was there, so I did not get to experience it, nor did I get to see the Big Buddha. <laughs> So, um, strangely enough, the Big Buddha and and the uh, strangely enough, the Big Buddha and the um, and Disneyland are on the same island. Mm. So, what was your experience? How did you get to the um, Buddha, Lolita, when you went? I was <laughs> I was going to ask you because I was going to say, out of everywhere I've been in Hong Kong, I feel like that was that one actually felt like a trek to get out there. Um, uh-huh. And if I remember correctly, we took the MTR to like a bus station and then the bus station to somewhere else. And then you went like down the hill, then up the hill. And then all of a sudden you're at the Big Buddha. Okay. But it, it took like a few hours. Was that yeah. the same for you? Yeah. Okay. I, I thought there might be like a quicker way to get there now. But okay. First of all, we talked about the train system, which is fantastic. The subway system. But I would go out on the, we go on the subway and then it's when the subway line ends, essentially, that's when you get out and mm-hmm. then you take this meandering bus that yeah. seems to go like 15 miles per hour because all the hills are so steep and it just winds around the whole mountains and everything. And then after a while, like 20, 30 minutes later, you show up at this, what was it? Like a, th- three four story golden buddha at the top of yeah. the mountain yeah yeah and then after you get there so they have a gate and then once you get there you pay money to get in and then you have to climb something like i don't know if it feels like 300 steps <laughs> <laughs> i don't think i counted but i think it was somewhere like that and it was it's it's really fun because you're surrounded by what feels like just trees and nature and forest. Yeah. And did you go in? Did you? Yeah. I don't remember if we ate there. I think we did, but um, going in there, it was really cool. And there's like a few different other pagoda like things there too, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And there's, there's, um, I, I actually didn't pay to eat the meal. Now I wish I did. But I guess it's a vegan. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if it's vegan or vegetarian, but they have a vegan restaurant, and all the food is prepared by Buddhist monks. Yeah. So that was. Uh, I wish I went. It smelled great, but I didn't get an co- opportunity to go do that. There's so, also for those people who like hiking. I think there's also um, a bunch of hiking trails in the back there too. Oh, I didn't mm-hmm. do that. Did you go, guys? Go to any temples? Um, yes. I don't remember what the names of them were, but we did go to a few of them. I, I didn't hit you- temples um, on that trip, only because we were only there like for just a couple of days, but I wish I had. I did I was- enjoy the Symphony of Lights. That oh. was amazing. Oh, yeah. That was mind-blowing. And I enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed it from the ship. So it on one oh, night, wow. and then I got to enjoy it on land a different night. So to have that kind of like perspective was That's absolutely so cool. amazing. 
um, explain yeah, that, what that is. Gosh, you know the symphony. Of you know Light? this is, this is a podcast. You have to you have to paint a picture. I'm trying to like draw some comparisons because it's literally like it's a it's a light show embedded in the skyline. So it's literally like if you imagine a like just generic city skyline. Um, so you see lots of t- skyscrapers and things like that. Um, but the symphony of lights is literally the buildings themselves become almost like a firework laser show, um, with different, you know, col- bursts of colors and, and beams of light into the sky and all sorts of stuff that you can see, um, from anywhere within the city, or in my case, you know, from the semester at sea ship. And so you're just, I mean, not unlike you know the the fireworks you would see at the end of the day at Disneyland or Disney World or um, even Fremont Street in Vegas, yeah. this of lights really brings it to a whole new level because it's a whole darn city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great description because I was like, how do you compare? It? It's like if they did the Fremont Street experience in Las Vegas, <laughs> but they just covered the whole. The, every single building in Hong Kong with that laser light show. Yeah, it's like if you mer- it would be the love child of New York City and Fremont Street. Oh my gosh, I love that now. <laughs> 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 but it's also not the same thing all the time. I mean, so whoever's engineering, like I honestly can't imagine the logistics within it, um, let alone like the energy and stuff like that. But I mean, it is, it's, it's massive when you think about like, a, this is an entire city in vet. Like what if somebody's building is like, no, I don't want to play with this. No, you got to, you're part of the city, dude. Yeah. And I think it's every single night too. It was every I th- night I was there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it is every night. I think you're it's right like, it, it is not like just like a weekend every single night. They mm-hmm. have that show from like eight o'clock or something like that for like 15 minutes. And it's just like, I mean, do like a YouTube search of this thing. It is the most amazing thing you've ever seen. Well, and here's a fun fact is that it is the world's largest permanent lighting music show um, that's been happening for years. So, I oh, mean, wow. it really is one of those things that has been it's it, it's got some it's got some chops. And yeah. to your point, too, Lee, like, you're right. There's so many different places you can watch it from. And from each of those areas, it's a, a different experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? Um, I, I was going to say I was going to vote for my favorite temple. My favorite temple is Man Mo Temple. I don't know if you guys know that name. But what's really beautiful is, you know, it looks like a temple from the outside. But when you actually go in, it's a dark, it's a dark temple. Um, whenever you go into temples in Asia, there's lots of red. Red is good luck. Mm-hmm. But what makes this one unique and interesting is they have these s- Christmas tree shaped spiral incense hanging from the ceiling. And they have hundreds of these things and they're all burning simultaneously. So when you walk into this place, the whole thing is completely blown out with this scent of incense and smoke and when you see the natural lighting come in they kind of have these skylights it's like these beams of light cutting through the smoke and lighting up this temple and it is something spectacular to see so 
that is my favorite temple. There's lots of beautiful temples, but this is one. It's almost impossible not to take a postcard picture when you visit Hong Kong. That's so cool. How about food? What do you guys eat? Everything. We're going all over the place, but <laughs> <laughs> what's everything? Well, I feel like we can't we can't talk about Hong Kong without dim sum. Dim sum. Yep. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think the very first place I visited was um, actually they have a few locations now. In okay. over in the U.S. too. Um, Tim Ho Wan. Do you? Okay. Is it better there in Hong Kong? I, I'm not a big fan of them in the United States. So I don't think the only location I've been to here in the States is the one in Irvine. Um, uh-huh. And it's definitely not as good. The one in Hong Kong okay. is so good. So good. I mean, they're known to be legendary. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're, they're known for their um, basically like a, like a, how would you describe it? Like a steamed bun, I guess. Uh-huh. A steamed barbecue pork bun and um in hong kong they are like a super small shop but there's like a line to get in basically and it's so good <laughs> do you order do you order it off a menu yes. or is it by carts it's a menu okay yeah. um dim sum is a chinese food and the closest i can describe it is is like chinese tapas Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Great they have, yeah, they have little plates, and um, what's nice is you can try lots of different food, but you can eat one plate. It's almost like a small appetizer. Um, and some places you order them and they bring them to the table, but some places they actually have these carts that each cart will hold two or three different types of food, and they'll bring the food to you, and it's just kind of like a buffet that. Wander the the buff instead of you going to the buffet, the buffet comes to you. <laughs> uh-huh. So, um, oh boy, so many things to go through. Did anyone take the escalators? I'm going through my list. Oh yeah, I went through the escalators. <laughs> they were pretty. They were they were really cool. You kept talking about them the last time we talked about this, then. Um, you were really into the escalators. You and me, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I got I'm talking all the time. I'm just always excited about Hong Kong. So the escalators in the past, if you were rich, this is a long time ago, you lived at the bottom of the hill. Do you know why? Because you don't want to go up to the top of the hill. <laughs> okay. So typically poor people in any city, be it western or eastern, they are at the top of the hill. The rich people lived at the bottom. Nowadays, it's the opposite. Rich people live at the top. But it could take a very, very long time to walk uphill, and it was very difficult. In Hong Kong, they built a series of outdoor escalators, and they are actually in the middle of the streets. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of them are covered, some of them aren't, but they are escalators that go up the side of a mountain, and they are in multiple segments. So you go up an escalator, it goes up a full street, and then you get off and you walk half a block, maybe, and then you take another escalator up, and then you walk half a block, or sometimes they're almost connected, and you just keep on going up the side of the mountain. But what's really neat about it is when you go up there, obviously it's a main thoroughfare. There's a lot of neat stores, or there's a lot of neat um, night markets, and they're all adjacent to 
the escalator. Mm -hmm. So I always thought that's kind of temples and stuff like that. I really like going up and down the escalator because it's a strange way and it's free, a strange way to kind of go through the city that's unique to Hong Kong as far as I know. Yeah, definitely. And it's also not too far from like Hong Kong's party district either. Um, Lan Kwai Fong. Oh, you need to talk about that. I did do the <laughs> party thing. I was with so, my parents. <laughs> Tell me about the party. <laughs> Lee, I don't know if you went, but L- L- they call it LKF, but it's pretty much, I guess, the Vegas. Well, okay, that's not the Vegas of Hong Kong because that's Macau. It's basically... <laughs> <laughs> What would I compare it to? It's 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 the party district. There's bars there. There's a lot of nightclubs there. Um, there's like hip restaurants there. Basically, if you're looking for like a young place to party and and drink at, that's that's where you'd go. Huh. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I wasn't really part. Like for me, when I was in the city, I wanted to avoid my students. So. <laughs> <laughs> so was, I, I'm sure they were all over that one for sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, my my stuff was more like like I had said, like Victoria, you know, Peak, and and, and definitely the funicular. Um, thanks for remembering that Scrabble word right there. Yeah, um, for sure. And then for me, I yeah. The things that stuck out were was being there for Maid's Day Off, um, and just you know, I think that fishing village really stood out to me. And then I, I think that there was one other market. I did Stanley Market, and then I did the Ladies Market, which was also interesting, um, only because I mean Ladies Market tons of clothes and flowers and stuff like that, but everything is made for a more petite woman. <laughs> so, oh yeah, like they're large. I'm looking at their large, and I'm giggling because I mean I'm like yeah, I can buy it for like my teenage niece. Um, but yeah, I mean things may have changed over the last you know decade or so. But yeah, I, I love the markets. I, I I mean, partly because it's stuff that, you know, I mean, b- before Amazon, you couldn't get really anywhere else. But mm-hmm. also the people watching was just so cool because it is, it's a completely different experience than, you know, going to, you know, Target or Walmart or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, but I wish, yeah, the nightlife, my nightlife was just the laser show and things like that. But that in and of itself was just breathtaking. Cool. Well, I think that's a ton of things that we've talked about. Um, does anyone want to throw in the last things before we close this up? Gosh, I, you know, my hope, and you open with this, is that um, despite the, the the political turmoil that's going on there, that I hope that the the essence of that unique Hong Kong culture, you know, that that heart of Asia with a, a splash of British, can continue because it's it was mm-hmm. just such a special experience. Um, that, that I completely I'm really agree with about. you. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you, Lee. Yeah, it's like nowhere I, I've ever been. Um, and I can't imagine. Yeah, it's just amazing. How about you? Any last words, Lily? Um, I, I can't wait to go back and eat and shop <laughs> there one day. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I feel like there's so much personality and character into Hong Kong. Um, and no matter what age you are, or no matter who you go with, I feel like there's always, there's always something there for everyone. I mean, there's shopping, there's museums. I mean, we, there's things that we didn't touch upon, but they like have a space museum. They have mm-hmm. a history museum. They have a, a walk where they have, um, 
it's like uh, essentially the equivalent of the Hollywood Walk, where the, they have all the stars. So oh, yeah. on the ground. Yeah. And the so, racetrack. And the racetrack. And there's so many things. So we think you should give it a try. But I think that's all we have for time for today. So I'm going to put up some photographs on social media. You guys go check it out on our Facebook or Instagram. And last of all, Meet Us in Paris is a University of California, Irvine Division of Continuing Education Production. If you need a career boost or looking to increase your workplace knowledge or seeking a new profession, check them out at ce.uci.edu. Once again, ce.uci.edu for the professional courses. And thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Lydia, you're going to come back too, right? Yes, I hope so. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Okay. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye.